Um, I want to begin with prayer and, and we'll get started. Lord, you're kind and your faithfulness uh, is really, it just goes beyond words. But I want to thank you that you don't leave us or forsake us. And thank you for the way you encourage your children. And uh, Lord, I love you. And I do ask for your grace and your blessing right now, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so some introductory statements that are going to be really important to unlock the significance of Psalm 126. Number one, this is a post-exilic song prayer. Okay, exile. It means after the exile. Okay, here's what we know in 586. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians moved in and conquered Jerusalem and they leveled the temple. Okay. Now this is, you got to understand, the temple Solomon built. Do you understand how glorious that temple was? Okay. Babylon moved in and conquered that. Devastating, 586. And they carried off much of the population of Israel to Babylon with the exception of the extremely poor the old that couldn't make the journey. It's hundreds of miles up the Fertile Crescent and down toward Babylon and uh, just couldn't survive the journey. Uh, or those that were handicapped or malformed or deficient in any way, they weren't suitable for, for labor services and so they were left in Jerusalem to die, fend for themselves. Okay, Tough time. This is what happened. Israel has returned to Jerusalem from Babylon, okay? And that happened uh, after some 50 years, okay? The Persians came in and conquered the Babylonians, all right? Nation A gets conquered by Nation B. You've got to appreciate this, though. Israel has been in Babylon for 50-plus years. There was religious pressure to adopt or at least honor the gods of Babylon. Remember the Daniel story? Remember the whole thing about Daniel and the lion's den and all that stuff? And when the band plays, you get to stop and bow down to their, their Babylonian god. Remember that whole deal? This is, this is going on at this time. Okay, So you're an Israelite. You're in captivity. You've been there for decades. And the pressure to cave in to their religious system is tremendous. In fact... A lot of Israelis are doing it to survive, okay? Because they don't have what, it, what Daniel had and Daniel's three friends. They have limited expression of their own faith, so they're not able to do that like they should. You know, according to Torah, they're, they're serving in all labor, labor service layers and levels in Babylon. You've got high-level stuff like Daniel. He's serving the king, all that stuff. But it is not a good time. Now, how do we know that? Psalm 137. We hung our harps on willow trees and we bowed our heads and we cried. When the Babylonians would mock us and say, sing one of your, your Israeli worship songs. Come on, sing us one of your songs. Come on, you conquered people. Let me hear your, your top 40 Caleb out of Jerusalem, 586. We want to hear it. And it would make them weep. And they, they were so broken, they would hang up their musical instruments and cry. Okay. In fact, when you get to the, back, the end of Psalm 137, there's a statement that is absolutely horrible. And that Israel 
is so broken, they're praying that, that God would bring somebody in to kill every single Babylonian. Wipe them out. They are so hurt and they're, they're, they're so worn out from this captivity. Now, while they're gone, Israel's homeland, the farmland, has not been tended. Can you imagine that? What happens to farmable land when you do nothing with it? There's no fertilizing. There's, there's no protecting it from you know, bad uh, uh, foreign um, uh, plants. You, you want it to be, your wheat field needs to be just wheat. Well, if you leave it for 50 years, what happens to your wheat field? It's completely seeded with, with what you don't want in it. So the lands have been absolutely ruined for a lack of agricultural care. Plus, it's possible that foreigners have moved in. And Well, I say possible. It happened because when you get to Ezra and Nehemiah, if you remember those books, same time, they, they're trying to rebuild the temple and eventually they rebuild the wall. But in that time, there are people squatting around on the lands of Israel and they're mocking Nehemiah and they're mocking this whole process. So it's a really, really difficult time. Um, Persia conquered 539. Uh, Cyrus, the, 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 the Persian king, had compassion and literally gave an edict in 538 that said all the Jews can get, get to go back. Go on, go home. But guess what? A lot of them didn't. They stayed in Babylon. So if you, if you had to migrate to Babylon as a 30-year-old and you make that hundreds of miles, you go north, Damascus, Syria, Assyria area, you, you curve over the top of the crescent, pick up the Euphrates, and you travel way down the other end of the, the fertile crescent like a, like a boomerang to get to Babylon. You know how many hundreds and hundreds of miles that is? You're now 80 years old. You're stuck in Babylon, you know, or you're too little, you know, or you've had whole generations have died in Babylon. It's a new group of kids. All they've known is Babylonian culture. It's all they've known. Can you imagine that? And at this point, the heartbreaking reality is not all the Jews want to go home. That's the backdrop for Psalm 126. Okay, pretty intense. Nehemiah was granted permission to rebuild the walls in 445 B.C. Okay, this is what the psalm says. To you I have raised my eyes when the Lord brought back the captives of Zion. We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us. They're echoing that back. We are joyful. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as the streams of the south. Those who sow in tears shall harvest with joyful shouting. One who goes here and there weeping carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. 
Wow, it's amazing. I want to pray. Um, Abba Father, you are so kind. And your heart is to bless and restore your people. And ask in your kindness, would you please help us understand your word tonight, how it applies to us, so that we can live this out, please. Lord, I love you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's walk through this. We've got several challenges. Uh, Verse 1 you have raised my eyes you know we've got that I think easy enough when the Lord brought back the captives of Zion we were like those who dream raised eyes you remember Psalm 121 I will lift up eyes to the hills all that brought back shuv in Hebrew literally means to turn back it's like you're going the wrong way shuv turn around go back go in the right direction Um, you brought it's almost a play on words you turn back those who are turning back shuv shiva you're turning back those who are turning back. It's passive verb, though, because God's doing it. This is, this is something only God can do. So God is restoring the captives. It's beautiful language. We've got a challenge here on the word dream. Everybody check your translations, um, whatever, whatever translation is. How does it translate that last line? We were like those who dream. What do you guys show your translation? What do you have, Michelle? Okay. What do you have, Phyllis? This is the New International Version. Is the same thing you just said? Same thing? Dream? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody have something different? Amy, what do you have? Um, Same dream. What translation, though? NSB. NSB, okay, probably 1995 is what you've got, yeah. Um, Yeah, most all English translations are under the streams. Chalam. In Hebrew, hala, dream. But there's some challenges with that. Here we go. Uh, ESV, King James Version, Holman, rather that, man, the Amplified Bible, uh, dream, halam. But watch this. In Hebrew, halam typically refers to a dream, and dreams are considered prophetic, revelatory. Like someone says, hey, I got a dream from the Lord. That's sometimes, you know, you got to really pay attention if Isaiah says I have a dream, all right? So it's serious business when you use that word, okay? Is this prophetic or revelatory? In other words, did somebody back, one of the prophets in Babylon, say, I have a dream, God's going to take us home? Is that what that means? Okay, yeah. Interesting. What translation is that? International, New International Version. Okay, NIV. That's an interesting footnote. So one way to understand dream is this is prophetic, and it's calling back to somebody, a prophet, someone that, that dreamed and said, Israel, get ready, we're going home, before the Edict of Cyrus was given in 538. Another way to see it is, no, uh, Wow, we're getting to go home, and this is too good to be true. It's almost like a dream that it's intended that way. It's just extreme language of, wow, shock of it all. This is like a dream come true. We're getting to go home. Okay. Or what Phyllis just said, halam can be taken 
in a rare sense that someone who's restored to health, someone who's healed. Now what's interesting is the dominant use for halam is dream. But it is found in like uh, Isaiah 38, uh, 16, it refers to heal, to be restored. Do you guys know that we have a Greek translation of the Old Testament? Do you guys know that? Yeah, you do, Michelle. It's called the Septuagint. Okay. When you compare the Septuagint and see how they translated it, they didn't translate it as dream. They translated it as to be healed, to be comforted, or to be cared for. It's how it translated. The Targum, which is, think of it like as a commentary on a commentary on the Old Testament. We were like the sick who were healed. The Vulgate translation, which is Latin, says we were consoled and comforted. So, uh, what do you guys think? What's the Q-U-M-R-A-N? The Qumran, that is the Targum that was found and probably originated from Qumran, which is a small community outside of Jerusalem, near the Dead Sea. Yeah, Dead Sea Scrolls, right? The Qumranis, which were... Like, you think the Pharisees are conservative? Uh-uh. No. The Qumranis thought they were liberal. That gives you a hint of, of just how strict. Can you imagine doing, like, seven baptisms a day? Ritual baptism required to do a day? <laughs> they were doing that at Qumran. Super, super strict. What do you guys think? If you could say, you know, I really think... Um, Chalam, dream, means this. What do you think? What do you think the author is intending? To you I've raised my eyes when the Lord brought me brought back the captives of Zion. We were like those who dream. We were like those who halam. What do you think? Yeah, I think it makes sense. Sure, that's good. Somebody else? It's possible the writer talked to a whole bunch of people during this experience, and it, he, uh, when he said dream, he meant all the above. <laughs> good answer. Just say Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. Anybody else? Another angle on it? I mean, I see meaning and possibility in all three. I don't think any one is exclusively wrong or improbable. Um, Kathy, I think you're onto something. Can you imagine going back to Jerusalem after 50, 55 years and what it would look like. Um, have you guys ever gone back to your home, you know, like where you grew up as a kid and the owners don't tend it like you used to and so part of the lawn is now a field and little scrub brush bushy things are now huge trees. How different, just in a matter of 10, 20 years? Can you imagine 50 something years? going back to Jerusalem, what that would look like. And farmland that was, you have to understand, tended according to the Torah law. I mean, every seventh year, what would a farmer do with the land? 
It let it rest to, to replenish itself. So, yeah, it was, it was a difficult time. Um, can I add something to that? Sure. So, uh, just when you were talking, I was thinking, if you're going to make that journey back, there would have to be something deep inside you and your heart that longed for your homeland. Because you would, I would think that you would know it wouldn't be the same because the, it, would, it wouldn't have been taken care of. And then you make that long, long journey, and you get there, and it looks like... It probably looks horrible, you know? But I could visualize them going back and literally just crying because they were home, no matter what it looked like. <laughs> it was home. And we yeah. can fix this, and we can go try to regain it, like, you know, Nehemiah the Wall and things like that. Yeah. So and that's just what came to mind when you were talking. Yeah, and I, and I think you're on, on it, Kathy, that... Um, Can you imagine that what was inside the heart of Ezra and Nehemiah and, and the guys before them, by the way, priority one was to not build the wall. What was priority one when they went back to Jerusalem? To What's that? To the law. Yeah, rebuild the temple. Yeah. yeah, that's the first thing. God is going to be number one. We're not going to build our own houses. We're going to build God's house. Could you imagine picking up stones that were shoved over and trying to find out where this one should lay? Jackson, you're your mechanical guy. Trying to figure out the cornerstone and the foundations and, and how it was laid out and try to reclaim the old glory. Of course, they couldn't. In fact, there's a lot in the Old Testament about how Israel had to reconcile the fact that it wasn't as glorious as Solomon's temple. <laughs> it was probably half the size. You know. And not covered in gold, by the way. Can you imagine? They took all of that. Um, my, I lean to that we are like those who are healed. Yeah, I lean toward that. Verse 2, uh, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. And notice the pronouns. Um, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Who's talking? Who's talking? Persians? They're talking about it in Persia? Assyria? Damascus? As they're coming down from the north? Local squatters on Israeli land? Wow, God's done something special for them. Listen at them. Man, they're singing and, and they're happy and, and, and joyful. Hmm, what's going on? God must be blessing them. So verse 2 has that line, the Lord has done great things for them. Verse 3 says, the Lord has done great things for us, which is really fascinating that they're echoing back what people are saying about them. The Lord's done great things for them. Yeah, you're right. He has. <laughs> He's done great things for us. Sama'ah in Hebrew, joyful, glad. Uh, restore our fortunes, Lord, as the streams of the south. Restore fortunes. Does this refer to uh, religious economic fortune uh, of Israel or the Israelites who remained in Babylon? What do you think? This one says we'll bring back our captives. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, by the way, during Solomon's reign... You know what the number one exports of Israel was? Israeli wine. 
They were famous as winemakers and exported it all over the world and made lots of money on just wine, okay? They had a booming economy. David got it set up and Solomon took it to its zenith. A booming economy and, and of course it fell. Um, so what do you think? Restore the fortunes of Israel. Does anybody have a different translation in verse four than fortunes? Did you say uh, cap, restore captivity? Or bring back our captives. Anybody else on that different translation? Yeah, King James has a turn to get our captivity. Yeah, that is actually, I, th- I think the New American Standard 2020 misses it here. Uh, it really, the word in Hebrew is, is captive. His, it is, you're not gonna do it. So, shivoth, return to captivity. Um, I, I'm imagining, you know, those who left Babylon or, or left Jerusalem and how they would try to tell the stories of the glory of the city and the glory of the people and worship and the festivals and all the glory of Jerusalem during the, the great feasts and things. And, and now they're coming back and they realize what a small group of people. Many have died in Babylon They've given birth to a whole other generation, at least two generations, and all likelihood have been born, meaning some have been born in Babylon, died in Babylon, and never saw Jerusalem with a lifespan of 40 to 45 years. Easily, you could have been born in Babylon, died in Babylon, and never seen Jerusalem and be a Jew. Okay, I don't think this is about agriculture. I don't think it's about the economy, the wine industry. I think it's about people. Bring back our people. Bring back all our nation. Call them from the east and the west, north and south. Uh, the streams, by the way, in the south, the mountainous regions, there were a lot of dry riverbeds, but in the raining season, those things would become rushing torrents. And I think it's like, flood our people back here. Get them here, please, somehow. Um, just a couple more. Those who sow in tears... Uh, shall harvest with joyful shouting. Uh, One who goes here and there weeping, crying, or carrying his bag of seed shall come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, are we talking about farming now? Yeah. You got to do something. You can't just sit around, right? They've got to rebuild the land. They've got to rebuild the temple. Ezra. I love what he says. Yet many of the priests and the Levites and heads of fathers of household, the old men who had seen the first temple. So Kathy, some of the old guys made the journey. Man, that would be hard. They made it and they wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes. While many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the sound of weeping of the people because they were shouting with a loud shout and the shout was heard far away. Can you imagine that? You can't tell the difference between the shouting, the happy sounds, and the happy weeping and the sad weeping from what used to be to what is now taking place as the new Jerusalem. All right, some things about life application. I'd say number one, we've got to look up. We've got to look up. Faith, hope, and love remain constant in our lives because we are in Christ Jesus. 
and we have hope because of him. I'd say, you know, when, when we're full of laughter and rejoicing over who God is and what he has done, what he is accomplishing in us, I think people notice. I think they do. I think it honors God when we speak joyfully about what he has done for us. His protection, his mercy, grace, forgiveness, provision. I think it honors him. God's, God's, man, God's committed to people. Restore captivity. Um, I, I, I saw one of my clients today. There's no violation of privacy. It's all on public record, legal documents. Um, but she saw me today, Tammy. Final ruling yesterday by the court. And she has full custody of her daughter now. Oh, man. It's over. Wow. Talk about having someone restored to you to get her daughter back in such unspeakable conditions, you know. Uh, her smile was beautiful. To see her smile. So, um, Tears have their place in the heart of a believer, just like joy. His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Pay attention to that. His favor is for a lifetime. We want to goof it up and say his anger is for his lifetime. For, I mean, his favor for a moment. That's how I feel. I understand. That's not what it says. His anger is for a moment. His favor is for, his life, for a lifetime. Weeping may last for a night, but a shadow of joy comes in the morning. That's beautiful language. All right, you are the church. You're the body of Christ. Um, how can we apply Psalm 126 to our world today? What do you think? Stay the course. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right, Chris. Stay the course. Yeah. Do you think there was some old Israeli codger? Do you think the Israeli curmudgeon was there? Do you think? Oh, this ain't no good. No, no. Don't put it there. Oh, that was stupid. You know, when I was here, it was awesome. You know, (laughs) just going on. Oh, oh! You think this is? Oh, no, no! This is nothing compared to what, what I grew up with. You know, being negative, being bitter, bad mouthing everybody. Oh, the band! You guys are awful. You don't. That's not how we used to sing it. We had a real choir back when I was here. When I was young, a real one. You know? Can you hear it? It's just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, he would have made the journey. 
The local crank, he had to make it, yeah. And probably fussed so much that they gagged him and put him on a camel just so he'd be quiet. Yeah. I have a question. Okay. So when they were taken in captivity, did God promise a remnant that they would return? Yes. Yeah, okay. So Always. So that's, that, that's kind of what it seems like with in the Old Testament with the Jewish people is this, you know, they're up at the apex and then there's a valley and, and God's Up and down, up and down, up and down. Always comes through, and I think that's something we can apply now because we seem to be in a big valley Yeah. Yeah. And that is based on a promise that God would have someone in the line of David that he would honor honor that. And he did because that led to the birth of Jesus. Yeah. So Do you think there's some wisdom in the fact that, that there's a time to cry and a time to laugh? That there's a time to, to feel the pain and, and uh, the pain of loss or the, the, the pain of a dream not fulfilled or something, but it's also okay to focus on the good that you do have. You can do both. Okay. Anybody else? If Terry Hughes were here right now, what would he say? Seriously, what would he say? Yeah, by the way, Gala would get pretty upset at him sometimes. Terry told me, you know, he'd be out at sea for nine months, 12 months, 14 months. He'd come back. Now, Gala, do you think she was used to running the house? Yeah. And then Terry'd come home and, and start giving orders. By the way, he's been giving orders for 14 months, used to giving them, used to them being obeyed. He comes home to his wife, who's been running the house by herself, giving her orders and her kids obeying her. And all of a sudden, Terry wants to take over as the senior chief petty officer at home. And Terry said Gala would win. He realized that he really needed to just listen to her. So, Anybody else? Watch out for the church curmudgeon. The Lord ain't done nothing for me. Watch out for that guy. That girl. The Lord has done great things for us. It's okay to see it. It's okay. It's okay. So, 
All right, let's do this together. Uh, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And we had given thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All right. Let's appreciate some imagery. In John 14, he said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Let's kind of grab onto that. Can you imagine the Israelites coming and the, the years of labor to deal with it is clean the city up. Just that alone, clean the place up. Start to rebuild the temple, much smaller version, much more humble modest version of the Solomonic temple. And then others who are skilled in farming and livestock, they're out trying to rebuild the herds, trying to deal with the land, grow crops. They've got bags of seed probably that were given in gift by the king of Persia to help them with their their agricultural burden. So they've got bags of seeds and stuff. And... uh, They're kind of getting the the place fixed up. And then they find out there's some traitors and they're they're giving messages. When you go to Babylon, seek out these people. Tell them to come home. It's beautiful. We are preparing a place for them. Tell them to come home. It's going to be beautiful. Can you see the imagery here, the parallel? I think there's some beauty here. And... When the Lord comes, and he will, he's going to want to take us home. What is the temple of God like, according to Revelation? What does it look like? The city of God is like, we can't imagine what it's like. And he's going to call us home. And we're going to make that journey, just like Terry did. We're going to make the journey. Let me pray, and then when you're ready, let's take the Lord's Supper. Um, Abba, Father, your kindness is unspeakable, and we wait your return to take us home to a place that you prepared for us. Thank you for the story, the teaching of Psalm 126. It's beautiful. We love you, and we thank you that you've given us a way, and you've given us life. In Jesus' name, amen.